a desert planet with twin suns. Cassian Ander. This is what revolution looks like. People are standing up. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Lou. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for tuning in to this week's Andor Review and Breakdown. We're going through episode 11, so without further ado, let's dive into I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken. Like always, we're going to be going through our non-spoiler thoughts, followed by our full spoiler segment of our breakdown and review, followed by our vision segment where I go over some theories about what the show is going to do moving forward. Um... That being said, my non-spoiler thoughts are this episode got me really sad that the show is ending. It gives me this rush that I really, really enjoy. The acting and writing have been really good. I I just wish that I would have it to look forward to every single week. This was a great episode, and I'm really excited for the finale. That being said, the rest of this episode will have spoilers, so this is your standard spoiler warning. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Let's dive in. Alright, so I'm just going to go over the various storylines like I have in the past, and uh, I'm not going to be going in a super linear fashion, but I'm just going to kind of hit on the major beats. Um, Mon Mothma. We see Mon starting to break down. She's crying uh, or on the verge of tears. Her daughter is very interested and invested in Chandralyn Customs, which Mon views as ineffective and outdated, uh, as we hear with her conversation with Vel. Um, but this also means that her daughter would probably be okay with the idea of getting married off at a young age, and Mon is grappling with her parental instincts versus her commitment to the rebellion, because as we know, she's in deep financial problems, which is interesting because up until this point, we haven't seen that side of the rebellion all that much, but this is like a very almost white-collar issue that she's having, um where she's been moving funds around for rebellious activity and she's about to get in trouble for it. And that's just, it's a different sort of fight. And I think that it's really interesting that we've gotten to see that from Mon. Um, Cyril Karn, he has gotten information that Cassian may be headed back to Ferrix and he's ready to throw down. He's got his weird little space, um, work suit on with the weird tie thing that like goes through the front it's kind of cool because it's like a space version of a suit and tie but it's it's different but he's he's ready to throw down he's got his mom's credit card and he's he's going for it um cassian and melshi they are trying desperately to evade imperial scouts they are hanging on um bare handing these sheer rock cliffs with bare feet as well um as the imperial ships fly overhead they end up escaping Narkina 5 with the help of some alien fishermen after getting caught in their nets. And a quad jumper, which is the same ship that Finn and Rose, uh, or no, not Finn and Rose, Finn and Ray almost take in The Force Awakens before choosing the Millennium Falcon on Jakku. The fishermen almost remind me of like Lord of the Rings characters with the way they speak in almost like kind of like a, almost like a Tom Bombadil like lyrical, uh, almost like they're speaking in, in like limericks. Um, like that sort of cadence, I just thought that that was interesting. But um, going back, to, they go back to Neomos, which is Space Florida that we saw right before Cassian got um, got captured, arrested by the Empire. Um, and Cassian gets his supplies from the hotel room that he was staying in. Uh, they end up going their separate ways after Cassian learns that his mother has died because Melshi says someone needs to be able to speak out against what the Empire is doing. 
I think that I saw Cassian tearing up a little bit whenever they were leaving. Um, I know that they're going to reunite one day because Melshi's a big leader in the rebellion, as is Cassian by the time of, of Rogue One. But it is emotional. I mean, they've been through a lot together. And then the episode ends with Cassian looking out at the horizon over the ocean, which is pretty similar to how he dies in Rogue One when he and Jin are just staring off over the ocean as the Death Star mushroom cloud comes to to get him. So, kind of cool. The music in this scene was, oh, so good. So good. The strings, mm, the music in this entire show has been great, but this scene in particular, oh, so good. Back on Ferrix, Marva has died. Bimo is so sad. He's like a, I, 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 this, this droid might be my favorite droid now. I'm not even kidding. He's so cute and so just like, oh, I want to protect him with every ounce of my being. He's like a dog whose owner has died. Just that, that little, he's like, Brasso gives him the option. He's like, hey, you can say goodbye if you want. Like, I can clear the room if you want to be alone. He says, I don't want to be alone. I want Marva. It's like, oh, dagger to the heart. He wants to stay at the house just in case she comes back. And I'm glad that everyone is being so nice to him, especially Brasso, because a lot of the time in Star Wars, even though we tend to see droids treated relatively well by their owners, they're not treated like sentient beings who have like real feelings. Brasso is really kind to him. He gives him the opportunity to say goodbye. He stays with him at Marva's house, even though he definitely has better things to be doing. It's just, it's really touching, and I love BMO. Would die for BMO. He's just, oh, so wholesome. It's just, oh, it's heartbreaking, though. It's so, so sad to see him just shutting down. He doesn't really know what to do. Um, Marvis Passing is a community-wide event. Ferrix definitely has this small-town feel to it where everyone kind of knows everybody's business, but they also rally behind each other uh, during times of hardship. Um... Sinta and an ISB agent are working undercover at the same location, which is kind of an interesting twist because neither of them know that they're literally both undercover and both working for opposite sides. So I think that that'll play out in a pretty interesting way in the next episode. Um, Bix also looks terrible and is deeply traumatized by the ISB torture. She's brought before these officers. It's unclear whether she sold out Anto Krieger as Axis or not. It seemed like she was going to do so, but unclear. If that's the case, then Luthen will be off the hook once they capture Krieger. Um, but who's to say? It's also unclear if they ever hung Pack, because they said that they were going to, but or if they ever hanged Pack. Um, I figured that they would have shown that, but also he wasn't a huge character, so who knows. Moving on to Luthen. He is by far my favorite character in the show. Uh, before we go to him and his like personal storyline, Clea and Vel have an awkward, tense interaction in the gallery where Luth- when Luthen is away, and Vel isn't being discreet about it, and she's essentially saying like, "Hey, like, what have you done to Clea?" And she's like, "I do like I do things. I, I do this every day. Like my li- I don't get to rest. My life is constant stress. Essentially, it's kind of similar to what." Luthen said to Lonnie in the last episode. Um, but all that to say, Luthen goes back to see Saw Gerrera. 
Two Tubes escorts him because Saw is in a mood, quote-unquote. Saw has decided to take Luthen's offer to help Krieger, Anto Krieger, for in exchange for supplies, providing air power with no tactical input from anyone on Krieger's side of things. Luthen declines this offer because he has already decided to let Krieger and his men die to protect Lonnie. Saw doesn't understand why Luthen wouldn't warn them, and he becomes paranoid like he does in Rogue One. It's like, are you? Are there spies here? Like, what? What are you a spy? Like, what's going on? Saw eventually sees Luthen's perspective that there are some people worth losing for the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it war. Such great interaction. Oh my goodness. Krieger can't hurt Luthen because he doesn't know him, so he's willing to, to let that go to keep a very valuable informant in the ISB, which is Lonnie. He being Luthen, is it intercepted by an Imperial Cantwell-class arrestor cruiser while leaving Seagram Milo. His ship is awesome. The projectile weapons that are, like, not energy-based, that tear apart the little satellite dish, awesome, genius, scary, effective. It's awesome. The speed is unmatched, and the dual laser cannons that sliced up the ties were incredible. And also you get to see the Empire's mentality. Even though Luthen's ship checked out as a freighter and not a pirate, they were going to arrest him for practice, basically, just to like stay sharp. And they sent both TIE bombers and TIE fighters after him. I'm not one for space battles normally, but this was awesome. It was great to see stormtroopers and TIE fighters again. It just kind of felt like classic Star Wars. I was just like, yeah, like get him. It was so cool. That being said, that's all I have for my review like I said, Luthen's my favorite part of the show. His perspective on the toll that the rebel cause takes on those who fight for it and the moral ambiguity of their actions is just golden. I love it so much. Um, I really just want more of this show. I'm going to be so disappointed once I don't have it to look forward to every week. I just love it and the rush that it gives. It's just awesome. I don't have too much else to say that I haven't already said. But that being said, let's dive into Visions. To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. So in true Andor, for, Andor form, there's not too much to theorize on, in my opinion, but I think that Cassian will go back to Ferex, where a lot of the storylines will collide. Velencinta will be after him. Cyril will be after him. The ISB will be after him. It'll just kind of explode. And I think we'll get to see Ferex kind of rally behind him. Um, Mon, I think, will marry her daughter off. I think that Something like her family's just going to fall apart, basically. And it's going to be super sad to see, but we'll see that that's what she has to do to to win, basically. I don't know what's going to happen to Luthen, but I know it'll be great um, or sad. I don't know. I'm just excited to see it, but I'm also sad that it's almost over. I'll also be on vacation. Uh, it'll be hard for me to get a review out next Wednesday, but I'll try my best. I'll have my little travel mic. Um We'll try to make it happen. Don't know if it'll come out on Wednesday or not, but maybe I'll have a little Thanksgiving surprise for y'all. We'll see. Um, surprise being an Andor episode. I don't want to get anyone's expectations up, but there are like three of y'all that listen to this anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, that being said, uh, that's all that I have for this episode. This was episode 11, Daughter of Ferrix. Such a good episode. Such a good episode. Such a good show. My goodness. I'm just sad that it's almost over. But then we have Bad Batch in January, so all will be well in the world. That being said, 
I don't know if I'm going to get my ability to speak out this Friday. We'll see. It'll be a solo one if I if I do get it out. Um, we'll see. We'll see where life takes us. But that being said, um, make sure to follow us on Instagram if you haven't already, at Twinson Talks. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Twinson Talks Podcast. And uh, follow and listen wherever you get your podcast by searching Twin Sun Talks. But that's about all that I have to say. Um, thank you all for listening. And you've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you. And I'll see you all in the next episode. Bye, friends.